When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, but that was the voice of Jonathan Zaslow, and he's yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, he's back, back baby. baby. Filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Wow, we just jinxed each other. We have been doing radio together way too many years. Jonathan Zaslow, find him at Zaslow Show. Amber Wilson, you can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us. We love that. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Every I'm time fired I say- up tonight. Every time I say that number, by the way, I feel like I deserve some sort of award when it you comes out Dr. of my Pepper. mouth. Well, I do. Well, it, when it comes out of my mouth properly, instead of me saying dirty words, instead of the word six, no when I turned it into a sex line. Uh, that was uh, a couple weeks ago. No flubs, though, tonight. We are flawless so far. We'll see who's flawless in Thursday night football tonight. Two teams that both desperately need a win, Bengals and Ravens. 8.15 p.m. kickoff. We will keep you updated when the action kicks, of course, on everything that happens between these two teams. But Zaslow, the Bengals coming off that loss to the Texans. The Ravens coming off the loss to the Browns. Both of these teams with something to prove. How are you seeing this one? Uh, I'm very excited about tonight. There's a lot of action, and most notably, of course, Week 11 with Thursday Night Football. Before I before I tell you about the game, I used to wake up on Thursdays, and 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 it's like a sneak attack. Oh yeah, Thursday Night Football. The the week starts, but now and and it's been like this for a few years now, right? Where every Thursday we have the start of the NFL week. It's so good. Like, you wake up and you're excited, right, that you have a new NFL week upon us here on Thursday morning. Like, like the weekends, Monday Night Football, you wake up Tuesday and like, all right, in two days, we do it all over again. I love it. It's good. I love it because I love football, but the football itself, not so good. No, but tonight's going to be really good, though. Tonight we find, well, we think. I mean, I think. again. These, well, at least these, the stakes are high. We even, know that. Well, the, and the teams are, are good teams, right, that we, that we want mm-hmm. to watch. They both have a reason that they need to win this game. There's storylines swirling around both of these teams, even though they're both good teams, certainly great quarterbacks leading both of these teams. All of that being said, short weeks, Thursday night football, typically it all sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think the good teams play the product, the quality of the product. Not yeah. quite the same as we get on Sundays and Mondays. I think tonight's going to be really great. I'm into this game tonight. Uh, it, it feels like it's separation week for the AFC North because you got all four teams. They're all kind of bunched together. You know, it's not like that anymore this week because Houston beat Cincinnati, so they jumped up into what would be the seventh and final playoff spot. But a week ago, all four AFC North teams would have qualified for the postseason. So they're all bunched together. And they're all playing each other this week. You got the Browns and the Steelers this weekend. Browns are obviously a massive story because of the Deshaun Watson news that we got yesterday. Bengals and Ravens tonight. And this feels like the type of game that 
yeah, we're we're in week eleven, so we're we're well past the halfway point of the season. It's it's crunch time now. Division rivals are starting to face each other for the second time, you know? And these two teams, it feels like desperately need a win. And in Cincinnati's case, Amber, you know, last week they were a home game away, a home win away from uh, against the Houston Texans from being 6 and 3 where who cares about the 1 and 3 start? Like that's so over with. We don't have to talk about it anymore if you're 6 and 3. You totally recovered. Instead, if the Bengals can't win on the road, on the road tonight, short week, Thursday night football at the Ravens, who are coming off of a, not a bad loss because the Browns are a good team, but man, like they led the entire game up until 29 seconds left, and then they blew, they blew it against the Browns. If they can't win a Thursday night game at the Ravens, that recovery from the 1-3 and three start for the Bengals, it's all for nothing. Like, it's, it's over with. It's going to feel like their season is kind of toast if they drop to 5-5. Five and five. You and I did the show together just before the Bengals lost to the Texans. And when we did the show together, you said the conversation with the Bengals is over in terms of can they dig themselves out of that early hole. You said they've dug themselves out of it. It's not insurmountable. We're already here. And then they lose to C.J. Stroud. Yep. And and that's, by the way, what it felt like, that they lost to C.J. Stroud uh, because he was remarkable at the end of that game. And now we're in a place where I think we're having a conversation again about whether that hole that they dug themselves into is too insurmountable. We always see the slow start from the Bengals, but at some point, those slow starts catch up to you. I mean, we saw it with the Lions last season as well, right? And that was the big question mark with them. Dan Campbell, he all, his teams always start slow. Are they going to do it again as we head into this season? The answer to that question was no when it came to Dan Campbell at the Lions. The answer to that question with Cincinnati was still yes. For some reason, is every season, in large part because of the health of Joe Burrow. It's the apodectomy. It's the, you know, the calf injury this season. It's like every season he's got something that he's coming back from. And so it takes a while and you understand why it takes a while. And we see now he's as healthy as he's been this season. It felt like it took him quite a few weeks here to get healthy and darn near half the season. The last couple of weeks, he seemed healthy. And even with a healthy Joe Burrow, they lose to the Texans. So, well, I, I, I think what, I think what happens there is you can recover from the really slow start and you don't have to be perfect the rest of the way to recover from the slow start, but you can't get tripped up by the teams you're supposed to beat. You know, if they would have won last week at home against Houston, they don't have to win the rest of their games. Like, losing Thursday Night Football at Baltimore, completely acceptable loss. Now, not as much because they got tripped up. You can't lose at home to, at that point, what was a 500 Texans team. So that's... That's the consequence of the slow start. Even if you recover from it, you still don't have the leeway to get tripped up in games that you're not supposed to get tripped up in. Cincinnati has lost 14 straight road primetime games. What? That includes the postseason. They have lost 14 straight road primetime games. It is the longest such losing streak Dating back to 2000. They're due, right? I mean, like, they're, they're going to win eventually. That is, that's a crazy statistic. That is crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy because also the Bengals are good, right? I mean, they've well, been good now the last few years, and 
yet apparently they struggle in prime time. It's inarguable when they're on the road, they struggle in prime time. They can't win in prime time on the road. Tonight they are on the road in prime time. Well, and and I thought Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback who doesn't win primetime games. And I understand if you're talking 14 and we're talking only on the road primetime games, a bunch of those are preceding Joe Burrow most likely, but Burrow's been there a while. Right. I would imagine a lot of them are with Joe Burrow. Yeah. How, how come no one talks about Joe nobody, Burrow not being able to win games on the road primetime? I was blown away when the, I just when I found this statistic. That's a crazy stat. It's a crazy stat because you're right. No one, talk, no one says Joe Burrow chokes. No one says it. Everyone well, and last says week it. was last week was a cho- not, I mean it was a team choke the team right choked, it, the know, team but. choked but but you're right any other quarterback Kirk Cousins you'd be well, having the prime the time one. on the hostile environment prime time when the brights are the when the lights are the brightest and the environment is hostile Joe Burrow can't handle it like that that's a good impression yeah that was that was your like narrator NFL guy yeah, promo that my, impression that was my that was my narrative uh, that was my that's NFL good. guy In a NFL world. dude. I've never liked you more than I do right now, Amber. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. In prime time. He can't handle the pressure and he folds. Yeah, He's there soft. has to be there has to be a Go tinge of Burrow, of though. sarcasm to Burrow. it, you know. Well, I'm just saying they would say it about the Dak Prescotts and the Kirk Cousins of the world. For some reason nobody says it. I feel like you just uncovered, like, this huge secret. It's been a secret that Joe Burrow doesn't win primetime games on the road. Just call me stats and info over here. You uncovered it. (laughs) I uncovered it. We'll see, though. Is it all going to change tonight? Can he blow apart the narrative before you and I can even get it started? We will find out. They get 8.15 p.m. kickoff. This game kicks off in just about an hour from now. We will continue to keep you updated. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight on Amber and Ian. Coming up next, Jim Harbaugh. He has decided to accept the suspension. There will not be a hearing tomorrow. We'll get into that mess. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Waiting for Thursday night football to kick off. We got a big one tonight. Bengals, Ravens. That game's kicking off in about an hour from now. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. But let's talk about the biggest story hanging over the world of college football. And at least we've got a resolution to part of it, Zaslow. The Michigan sign-stealing scandal. Another day, another update. Now, Michigan and 
Jim Harbaugh. America's decided, team. I, I America's don't refer to them team. as Michigan anymore. I refer. I, I respond when you say America's team. Like, oh, you're talking about Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, smart. Yes. Uh, America's team and its coach. Have America loves getting behind a team that you know, ex- does what they do. To accept, allegedly, to Crazy. accept the penalty that was issued by the Big Ten, which was a three-game suspension of head coach Jim Harbaugh. Here is the official statement from the University of Michigan. This morning, the university, Coach Harbaugh, and the Big Ten resolved their pending litigation. The conference agreed to close its investigation, and the university and Coach Harbaugh agreed to accept the three-game suspension. Coach Harbaugh and the university support decided to accept this sanction to return the focus to our student-athletes and their performance on the field. There was supposed to be a hearing tomorrow, Zaslow, where Jim Harbaugh's lawyers and Michigan's lawyers would have tried to get a TRO in order, a temporary restraining order, in order to allow Harbaugh to coach in the next two games. Instead, they have decided to resolve their matters, and that hearing is no longer moving forward. I think it's smart. I think it's smart because— Is that your legal opinion? You're giving me your I Yeah, I mean, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. you're not, but— Okay, I'm a judge, and— Well, I'm ruling with prejudice. And <laughs> don't know what that means. I think that I think this is a smart play. I, I think I think for one, if you're Michigan, it's like, all right, we get the three game suspension. Two of the games are really tough. Let's fight it. All right, we got through the one tough game. Now it's just one more tough game. I think that helps to to kind of put it aside and accept. It's like, all right, we're already we're already a third of the way there. This week it's Maryland. Not worried about that. So it's really about can we get past Ohio State without Harbaugh being on the sideline? And then the second part, which I think is really the important part, is if you're Michigan, and by the way, also if if you're the Big Ten, essentially, you don't want this bleeding into the playoffs. You, you you gotta you gotta deal with it now. You gotta get it over with now. Get past Ohio State. Let's say Michigan beats Ohio State, and hey, we shook hands. We already agreed. This is over with. You're shutting down the investigation. I'm serving my penalty. It's done. No double jeopardy. See, I told you I know the law. No double jeopardy. And now we get to the playoffs and that whole scenario, and this is done with. I I think that plays the biggest role. Is we just we need to get past this. There's too much at stake for Michigan football. What this tells me is a few things. Number one, that Michigan thought it was going to lose tomorrow. And frankly, I think Michigan was going to lose tomorrow, even though the judge was a law speaker or a speaker at the law school there at the University of Michigan, which frankly, probably every judge in that darn county is, which is why they ran to court in that county to try to file for this thing. A couple things would have happened. If they hadn't lost, frankly, the Big Ten would have immediately tried to get this thing kicked to federal court anyways. But regardless of any of that, I think that they knew that their chances of winning this thing were pretty slim to none. And I think that a couple things hurt them there. The three-game suspension that they had, in fact, issued themselves, (laughs) the self-imposed suspension early in the season, I think there's a reason that the Big Ten went with three games, right, to mirror that suspension earlier. No, but didn't we already have this conversation? Like, I asked you the other day, do you think they suspended 
him for three regular season games, or do you think they suspended him for the rest of the regular season? Right, and and I think that, well, and those things coincide because obviously when the suspension comes down, but I think that they liked the idea that the rest of the regular season sounds harsh, but the fact that it was three games, which was exactly what the University of Michigan had imposed upon itself, and that Harbaugh had already been absent for, I think that all helped the Big Ten's leverage because then it's not too much. Like, you guys had already decided to do this for something else, right? Like, you even feel like this is a reasonable penalty because you imposed it upon yourself for a something different infraction. Something that wasn't as egregious. Right? Something not nearly as egregious. Also, y'all weren't harmed during it. You went 3-0. and And now we're allowing him to coach all during the week and be there except for specifically game day. So he's being suspended for essentially one day out of seven days of the week. Otherwise, he's there as the coach of the University of Michigan. And then I think there's the fact that they beat Penn State. And I think yeah, that we're that already a third harmful. of the way past it. Well, it's harmful. Like it, they went after this in the immediacy because had, in fact, they gotten a hearing on an emergency basis, which I mean, <laughs> waking up a judge, it's like waking up a judge in the middle of the night because we, we need to be able to coach this college football game. It cracks me up. Nevertheless, uh, that's essentially what they were trying to do, right? They're trying to like rush to a courthouse, find a judge that's willing to, you know, work on this thing, not on Veterans Day. They failed at that whole at that whole maneuver. Had they, in fact, done that, it would have been a different story. But then they went and had to play the Penn State game because they couldn't get a hearing in time because the judge was not going to allow this hearing to occur on an ex parte basis. In other words, they were going to allow the Big Ten (laughs) to an opportunity to defend itself. And then they beat Penn State in the interim. And I think that was going to be hugely unhelpful to their case because how are they going to argue this egregious harm when clearly they're not really harmed because they can still go beat the, the good teams without Jim Harbaugh. And by the way, have a means for doing so because their coordinators are used to coaching at this point and they have a system in place to be able to deal with his absence because, oh, by the way, again, they dealt with this early in the season thanks to themselves. So all of that, I think, made it so that Michigan had a very weak case, and I think they recognized it. But also, really importantly, in this station, in this statement, it says that the Big Ten is closing its investigation. Yeah, I think that's hugely important here as well. From the well, Big do you Ten think Michigan doesn't want them to find anything else? Do you think there's part of that? So that was the thing: is the Big Ten had left open the possibility of more penalties as part of its investigation. With a pending investigation, it had not said, this is the end, this is everything. If they had found more stuff moving forward, they could have issued more penalties against Michigan and against Harbaugh. And I think they realized that risk, not one worth taking from that perspective. The Big Ten was willing to play ball, like, hey, we'll stop looking into this thing. And also, now we won't have to go to court. There's not going to be any discovery for you to have to deal with here. Like, maybe we just shut this whole thing down if you guys just accept the three games. And, and by the way, in that statement, the Big Ten is also acknowledging, like this part I think is also really important because you may be out there saying, oh, you see, this is like Harbaugh, he's, he's accepting guilt here. Right? He's pleading guilty, essentially. In the statement, the Big Ten is saying they still have no reason to believe that Harbaugh knew anything. That was part of that statement right there. I think that was probably a major part of them shaking hands and like, let's, you know, let's kiss and make up and be friends and let's get this thing over with. 
But they've always, right. And that's, and that's part of it as well. Now, keep in mind, the NCAA investigation is still ongoing. But that, so could, take, Michigan, that could take a while, right? And, har- that's, and that's the whole thing. And so people were coming down on the Big Ten with how quickly they moved. And, oh, you know, due process and justice. Because this, this is a court of law. Right. I, everyone thinks so. And by the way, the Big Ten's the government. Nevertheless, you always hear that crap, right? With the analysis. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lawyer in me. I did it. Goodness, it is. No, but it's true. Like, the the Big Ten is not. The Big Ten is. Like, no, it's true. The Big Ten's not a court of law. It's. It's not taking away his liberty. It's the dumbest analysis, nevertheless. It's a little dramatic. There's always that analysis, right? The thing is. Where was I even going with this? The Big Ten. Why the Big Ten acted so quick. Oh, yes. Uh, So people were insulting the Big Ten for acting with haste. What I will say is what happens with the NCAA, I would frankly rather insult. Like the way that the Big Ten handled this with haste and then essentially only punished the coaching staff. That to me feels like a better move than what the NCAA is probably going to do where it's going to take them two years. They're going to conclude their investigation. Then they're going to program, you know, punish the program in in 2027. And Jim Harbaugh is going to be the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, look, the Big Ten, (laughs) the Big Ten's obviously not happy with what happened here with Michigan. But at the same time, the Big Ten knows Michigan is their best chance of winning a national championship. So if the Big Ten comes out with their punishment really quick before they find everything, they can serve this punishment in the regular season as opposed to what if we find something out and the postseason's about to start and now right. we got to suspend them well, for the championship. Well, that's also why I'm not surprised that they accepted the right. suspension in the end because it's like, hey, guys, we can still win these games. It's just regular season good for games. Everybody. Why are we going to get an injunction that stays this thing and then have to serve it in a postseason or games yep. that matter even more now that we know we can still take care of business like we did against Penn State? Coming up next here, who needs a win more tonight? We will get back to Thursday night football in the NFL. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Bengals versus Ravens kicking off at 8.15 p.m. Eastern, of course. We will keep you updated on all of the live action. Let's bring in some help for all things NFL. For that, we turn to friend of the show, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. And Tannenbaum, thanks as always. Let's start with this one for Thursday Night Football. Bengals, Ravens, both coming off a loss. Who needs this win more? Um, I'll go with Cincinnati, just given the start that they had for the year. So, um, 
you know, we're at the time of the year where every game's important for everybody, but uh, Baltimore has a little bit more room, a little bit more wiggle room than the Bengals do. Mike, this feels like separation week, week this week 11 for that AFC North. You got all four teams that are bunched together. We start tonight, Bengals, Ravens, and then you got the Browns and Steelers playing on Sunday. And uh, I don't think all four will make the playoffs. And obviously the big news out of the division this week was you know, the situation with Deshaun Watson. And I think it's just going to be really hard with, you know, no Jack Conklin, no Judger Quills, no Nick Chubb, no, now no Deshaun Watson. Um, they have a great defense, but at the end of the day, I think you have to score the AFC. And I think right now it's going to be hard for them to score points. Maybe the best defense in the NFL, but certainly a problem now with a rookie quarterback in DTR starting for the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, are we looking back on this thing now, Mike, as the worst trade in NFL history? Well, I don't know if we could say that, but um, it's really not worked out very well so far. Um, you know, now look, if he comes back and leads him to the Super Bowl, maybe that'll change, but what the contract is, guys, like there's just no out in it, and um these are the next three years. You just hope he comes back full strength and complete health. And you always get concerned when, you know, uh, a pitcher, a quarterback has, you know, surgery on, on their throwing arm. So um, obviously big long-term concerns in Cleveland. I'm curious, Mike, Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. I don't know if you have any insight on this, but obviously you spent so much of your career in NFL front offices. You said there's no out in his contract, and we've never seen guaranteed money like this in the NFL. How is it handled? And this is probably not applicable here because we're just hearing it's a broken bone in the throwing shoulder. But Deshaun Watson keeps suffering injury after injury. If there is an injury to Deshaun Watson where he ends up ends up shutting down his career, let's say, is there a way then for the Browns to recoup the money or their insurance policies in place? How does this work with guaranteed contracts in the NFL? You know, teams do insure contracts. I don't know if they've insured Deshaun, so they're going to be on the hook for the balance of the $230 million. So that's fully guaranteed, regardless if he can pass a physical or not. Mike, let me ask you a little bit about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers here. Aaron Rodgers is trying to define all the odds, I guess, uh, an injury that normally keeps you out nine to 12 months. He's trying to get back, you know, maybe by the beginning of December, maybe mid-December, what kind of role does the coach slash front office have to play here, Mike, when it comes to, you know, protecting players against themselves? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, there has to be rigor in the process and checks and balances and make sure that, you know, we're really thorough on the medical. I would be very conservative, very cautious. I'd really be focused on September of 2024. I'd do everything I could to make sure he didn't play this year. I just think there's way too much risk and very little upside. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. I want to go back to the Browns for just a moment because I mentioned DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson starting tonight for starting for Cleveland this weekend over P.J. Walker. Were you surprised that they made the decision to go with DTR? And would you expect them to bring in not just another quarterback for the scout team, but another named quarterback be looking that direction? Well, I'm glad they did. I like DTR coming out. I think he can make plays with his legs. He has a really good arm. I went back, watched him in his game last year against USC. He played really, really well in that game. Um, so, look, I think he's earned the right to play. And I think, you know, relative to Amber, your question, I think post-trading deadline, your, your options are very, very limited. You know, we're getting to the point in the season where it, it'd be hard to bring in a Colt McCoy or a Matt Ryan. Mike, a, a terrible week for the Buffalo Bills. If it wasn't bad enough 
on Monday night. They lose at home to Denver, but and you got your issues with Josh Allen, but now you, you got that issue coming up again, maybe with the quarterback and his star-wide receiver. So if you're in the Bills' front office, Mike, and it comes across your desk that – Trayvon Diggs sends out the tweet that his brother needs to get up out of Buffalo and that the quarterback never did anything until his brother got there. A, how hard do you roll your eyes as the general manager of the team when you see that tweet come out? And B, like, do you approach your your wide receiver? Like, hey, man, do you feel this way? What's going on? Like, what happens there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always felt like, you know, part of your role was to be a great listener, question asker, and you sit down with your best players and, and say, hey, you know, what's the issue here? What's the problem? How do we solve it together? We're partners. We're on the same side of the table. We're going to move forward shoulder to shoulder together. We have a chance to do great things this year. We're one game out of first place in the win column. We play Miami again. We beat them once. So we, we can accomplish everything we want. we got to be completely focused on the Jets this week. You know, what can we do better? What are the concerns? And let, let's have a, a really honest, earnest conversation. <clears throat> Tannebaum, you said that you don't think all four teams in the AFC North are going to end up making the postseason, particularly in reference to the Browns with all the injuries. The Steelers are sitting at second in that division. They're at six and three. How? How are they still winning? I have no idea. I mean, their their offense is more abundant. I don't know, and I don't think it's sustainable, however they're winning. So they're making really big plays at the right times. They don't turn the ball over, but I don't think it's sustainable um, at the end of the day. Moribund is such a good adjective to describe a terrible offense. I feel like that would be one of the top adjectives you could use, Mike, to describe an offense that's terrible. I think that could be the worst one, right? Moribund? Yeah, I think it's uh, it aptly works in this case. And for Pittsburgh's case, hopefully it becomes more dynastic, dynamic, you know, effusive, everescent. But right now it's moribund. There you go. Look at the big vocabulary. I know. Just flexing his vocab muscles here, Mike Tannenbaum. ESPN NFL front office insider and grammar expert here on Amber and Ian. How concerned should the Bills be about Josh Allen's turnover problem? I know we spoke, obviously, about some of this drama surrounding the Bills. But what do you just make about Josh Allen's turnovers specifically? You know, he had 17 interceptions a year ago, 11 so far this year. About Gabe Davis interception the other day was totally on Gabe. Now, look, he gave him three points before the end of the half, you know, going back to that Monday night game, Amber. But I think not all our interceptions are the same. Some when you're behind, you can tolerate. But when the game's tied or close, you can't turn it over. And, and I'm sure that's one of the factors that went into Sean McDermott's decision in terms of making a change at the coordinator position. Uh, feels a little bit like a fall guy there for McDermott. Does it feel yeah. that way to you? Yeah. Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Okay, thank you. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive. So Jonathan Zaslow in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian. And Zaz, you and I used to have Ken Dorsey on our local show a lot when we had oh, a local show. I love show Kenny Dorsey. Love together him. in Miami. Kenny Dorsey was very good to us. Yeah. We obviously are, are Miami people, so we have a soft spot in our hearts for Ken Dorsey. Well, and he's regarded as the greatest quarterback in University of Miami history. Well, there is that as well. 
although I'm not a cane, I still have a soft spot for him. I'm, well, I'm a cane by law school standards, I guess, right? So I can still claim it. But yeah, and he was so good to us, and he was always so yeah. nice. And then he goes to Buffalo, and he's the quarterback's coach for Josh Allen. Josh Allen has a couple of the best years of his career there with Ken Dorsey as his quarterback's coach. He becomes the OC, and now he becomes the fall guy, in my opinion, for Sean McDermott, because Ken Dorsey certainly isn't the one actually turning over the football on that football field by any means. And Ken Dorsey is not the dude who put 12 guys out there mm-hmm. on that final play that cost yep. them the game. And that's the reality. Had they not the had pass interference right before it. Right. But had they had 11 guys out there instead of 12 right. to defend that field goal on special teams, which yep. is not Ken Dorsey's job, Ken Dorsey would still have a job. And that's what's stupid about it to me. You're it's such a good point because I, I think Josh Allen talked about how and I'm sure he's got a relationship with his offensive coordinator and talked about he takes it personally and, you know, doesn't like that this happened because Josh Allen deep down knows you screwed up, man. And because of your poor play and because of your carelessness, your historically uh, uh, high level of carelessness, Ken Dorsey was now just fired. Like, I wonder who feels worse because, yes, Josh Allen probably feels terrible right about now feels responsible for Ken Dorsey getting fired, but you're so right. The reality of it is, if there are not 12 men on the field for the Buffalo Bills defense, Ken Dorsey... Defense. Ken Dorsey is still the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Like, it's remarkable in its simplicity when you look at it like that. And yeah, look, Ken Dorsey, Cam Newton won... MVP, whichever year it was ago, it was like, you know, eight, ten years ago, whatever it was, Ken Dorsey was the quarterback's coach. Mm -hmm. Ken Dorsey helped, played a major role in Cam Newton getting to a level in Carolina that he previously was not at. Ken Dorsey absolutely deserved the offensive coordinator position he got in Buffalo when Brian Dayball left to become the head coach with the New York Giants. Ken Dorsey is a good NFL coach. Sean McDermott was not going to fire himself. Right. It's absolutely sacrificial lamb Ken Dorsey. And and it shows you, look, we're biased. Amber said it. We, we are biased mm-hmm. toward Ken Dorsey. He's been very good to us. He is such a nice guy, which is why last year that viral clip when the Dolphins beat the Bills because the clock ran out at the end of the game on the Bills' offense, and the camera in the offensive booth upstairs at Hard Rock Stadium, and it's Ken Dorsey just spazzing out. Throwing stuff, slamming down his headset. And that is the term to use. Like It it was a total spaz out by Ken Dorsey. It's so funny, that clip, if you know him, because you you don't know that he's capable of behaving that way. Right. He's such a nice guy. But that's besides the point. The point is, Ken Dorsey is a good football coach. And because of Josh Allen's poor play overall, and because the special teams coach allowed 12 guys to be on the field, Ken Dorsey was fired. He's an excellent quarterbacks coach, as you mentioned. He is a good football coach. He will have other opportunities in the NFL, but it sucks to be fired. And he definitely did not deserve it. Mina Kimes had tweeted out the advanced statistics for the Buffalo Bills offense this season. And despite Josh Allen's turnovers, their first in success rate, third in EPA per play, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion percentage, 
third in the league in red zone efficiency. It's a hell of an offense. It is a hell of an offense, even though Josh Allen turns over the football at a very high clip. So Ken Dorsey, by all accounts, by all the statistics, was actually doing a very good job. It's just that win-loss record. I would blame Sean McDermott a bit more for that. But as you said, he couldn't fire himself. And the reality is when you don't meet the standard, and right now the standards are much higher for Buffalo than their performance actually is, somebody's going to take the fall in that industry. And this time it was Ken Dorsey. And look, also, full disclosure, Buffalo Bills don't get any – I don't know if you know, Buffalo Bills don't get any love in the Zaslow Mansion, all right? But I'm I'm just being fair here. I'm just being fair. Ken Dortz is a good coach. Josh Allen has played very poor this year. And, yeah, Sean McDermott wasn't going to fire himself. So, here we are. Coming up next, here we are, quite literally. Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Coming up next, here we are, the NBA. Was it too lenient, Jonathan Zaslow, on Draymond Green? We will get into that. ESPN Radio is on the app. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Draymond Green was doing Draymond Green things. I don't know what he's I don't think any of us were surprised by, but was the suspension of Draymond Green too light from Commissioner Adam Silver? That was the voice of Jonathan Zaslow. He's filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. You can find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line, triple eight, say ESPN. So Draymond was suspended for five games for putting... Rudy Gobert in a chokehold, a sleeper hold, whatever y'all call it in wrestling. I know there's all sorts of terminologies. He went yeah, full- that was close to being the million-dollar dream, but you're right. It was a sleep hold. We went full – he went full WWE on us. Then we went full WWE yesterday and gave James Steele way too much leeway. That's great. Yeah, it was, it was annoying. What happened yesterday? Well, to liken it, we somehow, then it was like a conversation about who has the best sleeper hold in uh, wrestling. Brutus and, the Barber. Brought him yeah. Up. 
Yeah, uh, Amber, Barber. a big fan of beefcakes. I said, so, I said I like a good beefcake because somebody's yeah. name is Beefcake, apparently, in wrestling. Actually, yeah, the only thing, the only thing missing playback. from Draymond and Rudy Gobert was the ref. Uh, like, Carl Anthony Towns was standing right there. He should have lifted, lifted Rudy Gobert's arm. One, two, three, count <laughs> him out, you know? You're just standing there, Carl Anthony. You, you certainly weren't helping your teammate. How about lift Rudy Gobert's arm? Count him out three. See if he's still conscious. My favorite thing about all of this is that then Rudy Gobert insinuates that Draymond Green was trying to get ejected from the game because Steph Curry wasn't playing in that game. Well, the evidence backs it up. Well, and I did see that Tom Haberstrow had gone on a deep dive, and I'm sure others have done this as well. I saw him tweeting about it where apparently there is evidence that when Steph Curry doesn't play, Draymond Green (laughs) appears to try more often to get ejected in those games. So was this Draymond's plan? He's like, hey, beginning of the game, I don't want to play in this thing. My own game is declining with age, which seems to appear to be the case a bit. With I'm not as effective when Steph isn't out here. And, I, and it's going to be too hard for me with Steph not out here. I'm too old for this nonsense. I'm going to go ahead and get ejected. I mean, I, I think I, I think big picture-wise, considering the evidence of how often he gets thrown out of games compared to the games he got thrown out of when Steph Curry was playing, would show you that there's a little bit of that. But that's not what I think happened a couple of nights ago. I think what happened a couple of nights ago, number one, it was the second game in a row that they were playing each other. Mm-hmm. And and I like when they do that. You know, I, I think it helps with travel and all that stuff. But th- there, there could be some carryover when it comes to, you know, the physicality from one game over to the next game. And clearly that happened because within the first two minutes of the game, Jaden McDaniels and Klay Thompson are ripping together's jerseys off. So clearly there is carryover from the previous game. So... You, you have it maybe in each other's minds, something that happened last game, and you can't wait to you know maybe tussle a little bit with that guy. But I think what happened in this case was, and look, it's no secret, most dudes don't like Rudy Gobert, all right? Whatever reason, most French. dudes do not like him, all right? He's French. Uh, he started COVID. I don't know, all right? Oh. Mo- mo- these guys don't like. I kid. These guys don't. Microphones. They don't. They don't like. We. She shut the world down. These guys don't like Rudy Gobert, and I think Draymond Green specifically saw. Whoa! Here's my opportunity. We're gonna tussle. Let's tussle. And he runs right over to Gobert and puts him in a chokehold. I think it was about okay. My guy Steph's not playing, so I don't care so much about this game. Even though, hey, in-season NBA tournament, Amber, we got we got to care, all right? It's a meaningful game here. But I don't care so much about this game in particular because my guy Steph isn't here, and you're also going to give me an opportunity to put Rudy Gobert in a chokehold because everyone is being physical right now? Yeah, I'm taking that opportunity. And by the way, I'm not condoning any of the behavior. I'm just telling you what was going through Draymond's head in that moment. I think he doesn't like Rudy Gobert, and he saw it as an opportunity to go after Rudy Gobert. I agree with you. I think that the the way that he reacted, the immediacy of all of it, his initial reaction being as extreme as it was, and by the yep. way, Rudy Gobert was just trying to break up the scuffle. So Rudy Gobert wasn't even the perpetrator by any means. I think Draymond just used it as an opportunity to wrap his arm around Dray- yep. <laughs> around Rudy Gobert's to throat get, because he's always wanted to. get to. violent with Rudy Gobert. Right, because he's always wanted to. I mean, that's yep. kind of what it felt like. But here's yep. the problem for Draymond, right? Whatever the reason behind Draymond doing it, 
Draymond, this is his fifth suspension in his career. Draymond, at this point, to me, is a wrestling character. Fifth time I, he's been suspended, not fifth yes. game, right? Okay. Right, yeah, no, no, fifth time he has been suspended by yeah. the NBA in his career. And at this point, to me, Draymond feels like a wrestling character. Like, it doesn't feel legitimate to me anymore, Zaslow. It feels like he's out here trying to sell a podcast, trying to help his brand, like trying to set himself up for his career after basketball, which he's going to have a hell of a one, I would imagine, in this business. But it feels like, to me, it's more about all that than it actually is about anything on the court. I have a hard time taking it seriously, in other words. Like, it feels calculated to me. It feels like he's just trying to be, I don't know, that guy. Like, it's its like it's WWE out here it, with Draymond. It feels a little bit like he's, like he is trying to prove how tough he is. You know, maybe like we're at a point in his career where obviously physically he's not the player that he was before because he's aging. But I'm going to let everybody know I'm still really tough. Right. And, and, and like that wasn't a, that wasn't stable person behavior a couple of nights ago. And by the way, it's the second game in a row he's been thrown out of. He got thrown mm-hmm. out the, the two games prior to that for a little, you know, back and forth and, and a dirty play uh, with Donovan Mitchell. Um it feels a little bit like he's compensating for, I may not be as talented as I was previously, but I'm still like super tough, and any opportunity I have to show you, even if it crosses the line, yeah, that's my game now. It is his game now. It's become all part of it for Draymond Green. I initially thought five games seemed pretty hefty because that's a pretty significant suspension in the NBA. Five regular I thought it was hefty games. and right on the money. I thought so initially, and now I almost feel like, as I've thought about it more, that it was a bit lenient, and I know Jay Williams, for example, really? was on Sportsman, like, he called it lenient today. It f- almost feels lenient because of who it is. Five is a lot for anybody else, but with Draymond, man, like, we're at a point where Draymond is just going to be Draymond every time. Like, there's not enough deterrent for that player specifically. He's losing $800,000 from this. Do I have any semblance of belief that he's not going to do this again? Zero. None. We've seen it time and time again. I think we're going to continue to see it until they drop a a harder hammer on him.